John told us the true story of Joyce Grandstaff sitting with her family high up in the stadium. I imagine that her family didn't have the money to get the really the nice seats down where uh, Sean sat. They were surrounded mostly by Steelers fans after the game, but apparently no one noticed them. Why, why should they? If any did, they felt it was none of their business. They may have been in a hurry. Their team had lost. They'd been despondent. They were in no mood to linger in that park. Finally, a Ravens fan, many levels down, noticed them. And he and his fat friends climbed those stairs. Who, in this story, is the neighbor? The ones who had mercy on her. In case you didn't know it, John and I are Ravens fans. <laughs> We have been down this year. It's not been a good year for the Ravens. The Steelers, actually the Steelers have not had a good year either. Their quarterback was out for four weeks and now Le'Veon Bell. Now, I mean, this is all football talk, but, you know, it's been a hard year for both teams. The Steelers, however, have been our hated rival. When they played the Bengals recently, I confess it was easy to root for the Bengals. With apologies to any Steelers fans out there. <laughs> Our attitude is sometimes anyone but the Steelers. It sometimes gets ugly in sports. In the middle of a tight game, fans sometimes have to fight the impulse to cheer when the other side's best player gets hurt. In the stands, stadiums have had to publish numbers, phone numbers to call, if homies start harassing visitors, rooting for the other side. Am I right? Yeah. Unitarian Universalists affirm seven principles and draw from six sources. And we haven't talked about these for a while. So I'm going to invite you. This is an interactive service. I'm going to invite you to take out your hymn books and look at the principles and the sources. They're right at the beginning, the page before the first hymn. Got it? So these are the, the seven principles that are the values that our, our, our churches agree to, to share. They're, they're not dogma. You don't have to. My dad always said he couldn't believe that Hitler had inherent worth and dignity. But, you know, this, this is kind of when people ask what we believe. These are the values that we generally share. Uh, and those are the sources underneath them, the sources on which we draw. Where do we find what we believe in? Well, if anything from science to other religions to uh, Jewish and Christian beliefs. Uh, and there was one added just after the hymn book started, earth-centered, I'm not going to say this right, earth-centered religions um, on which we that celebrate the circle of life. Thank you. Thank you. Pardon? It is in there now? Okay. All right. You've got a new one. <laughs> the principles, so uh, the lawyer asked Jesus, 
what he needed to do to inherit eternal life in the Jewish tradition. What does the law say, he said. We might ask ourselves a similar question. What is the core of our faith? Do our principles and our sources provide any help? The principles I hear mentioned most and the ones I remember the most are number one and number seven. Number one? Anyone? Inherent worth and dignity. And number seven? Of which we are all part, yes. And it's from those, I think, that the others flow. They're not, they're, they're, so I think that's why one and seven are mentioned a lot. We don't often refer to the sources of our faith, um, and if we were not going to retire next year, we might consider doing a series on that, because that's a, that's a really uh, interesting thing to, to talk about. But among the sources are Jewish and Christian teachings which call on us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves. In other words, the core of Unitarian Universalism is love and respect for our neighbors, love and respect for our planet, love and respect for Steelers fans, Washington fans, Ravens fans, Patriots fans, as well as for those people who despite, despise football. <laughs> love and respect as we love and respect ourselves. Republicans and Democrats should be friends. Republicans and Democrats should be friends. Conservatives fight for liberty. Democrats seek equality. There's no reason why they can't be friends. It's gotten pretty bad, folks. Many of us, raise hands, are sick of the ads already. Yeah? Sick of the debates? Sick of the overhyped fundraising appeals? I don't know how many you get in your email uh, every day, but it's for me, it's multiple because once a year I make a donation. So that means they're after me all the time. We roll our eyes or worse when we hear people taking opposing positions on the issues we hold dear or taking pot shots at our candidates. And we have a year, 12 months, just about, I think I read, is it today that I read it? 365 days to go to the next election. It's just ramping up. But it happens even in our intentionally inclusive Unitarian Universalist churches. Mel said in last week's sermon that the ratio of Democrats to Republicans among UUs has plummeted from two to one in 1990, which is about when I started coming regularly, to 11 to 1 today. From 2 to 1 in 25 years to 11 to 1. Well, actually, that was 2011, was I think. 18, I think it was 18. Years. Yeah, yeah. I want to find out where you found that statistic. That's, a, that's an interesting one. But I was shocked and dismayed to hear that statistic. Well, it may speak of the increasing polarization of the parties outside these walls. It also says to me that we Unitarians Universalism are having a lot of trouble with our first principle, 
not to mention that source that calls on us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Many UUs, I say UUs, UUs, who are Democrats increasingly assume that everyone they speak to at church are Democrats. And there's a subtle change in our conversation when we assume that, well, we, you know, we can say things that are a little unkind that we wouldn't say, we wouldn't say to someone who um, we knew had different beliefs than we do. The few Republicans left often hide their politics. The media often doesn't help us any, often framing Republicans in ways that make them seem like if you're a Republican, you necessarily hold beliefs that are opposed to Unitarian Universalist principles. So how could you possibly be a Unitarian Universalist? And I have heard people say this. Maybe there are people here who would make that argument. They will paint the Republican stands on poverty as dismissive and cruel to the poor. Yet Republicans, many of them, I would say, maybe most of them, care about the poor, but think that the Democrats' programs will prevent them from ever climbing out of poverty. Now, we may disagree about tactics, but I think if we share the goal, if we, if we both care, if we both have compassion toward the poor, that, that makes the conversation different. Religious author, educator, and activist, Quaker Parker Palmer, reflects, many of us who differ politically love the same things. Our children and our grandchildren, our country, the natural world. Many of us who differ politically have the same doubts that what's being done or not done to care for the things we love is the best or the only thing or the right thing to do. Yes, we differ on what ought to be done, but what if instead of arguing over solutions, over the place where we are right, as the poet said, we began by sharing our loves and our own doubts. I suspect that our political conversations, Parker says, would be much more productive because they would proceed from a common ground. There is nothing inherently against Unitarian Universalist principles, for example, in believing that private individuals and private entities should take a larger share of the responsibility for addressing serious issues. Again, we can argue about whether it's the best thing to do, most effective, but it's not, not opposed to our principles. Nor is it against them to take a strong stand in favor of the sacredness of life. Again, where does life begin? Where does it end? What other principles are at variation from life? Those are all things we can discuss. But I think we all believe that there is something precious about life. We need to hold sight of our essential humanity. We need to try to model ourselves after the Good Samaritan. Conservative Republican Rick Santorum was reflecting on politics after he lost his bid for re-election to the U.S. Senate in 2006. He said that people don't know this, but senators, Republican and Democrats, get to know each other over the years, regardless of their party. He said one of the first calls he had received after he and his wife had lost a premature baby was from 
liberal Democrat Edward Kennedy, someone he had previously considered the devil of liberalism incarnate. Who is our neighbor? Jews thought Samaritans were the lowest of the low. They would not even step on the shadow of a Samaritan. Yet Jesus told a story with a Samaritan as the hero. Who is our neighbor? All who would treat others with kindness and compassion, whatever their politics. Atheists and Christians should be friends. Oh, the atheists and the Christians should be friends. Atheists don't believe in God, which Christians find distinctly odd, but that's no reason. When I was in seminary the first year, I was at that point, if you had asked me what is your religion, I would have said I'm an agnostic, leaning strongly toward atheism. And I took a class um, on theology from one of, a, one of our Unitarian Universalist professors. And he somehow we got into this discussion, I don't know what I said, but he said, well, isn't there anything good in the Christian faith that you grew up in? And stop me. And I said, well, I always liked the story of the Good Samaritan. And I, I was, I was, that really stopped me in my tracks. What was I missing? And I went back and reread the Bible. And for a while I thought I might become a Christian, but I found that I wasn't there yet. I found many more things to appreciate and value, but for various reasons, that was not where I was theologically. A Unitarian Universalist visited a church known for its secular humanism in Minnesota some years back. It's a very much third-hand story, But as I remember it, the minister said that Christians were not welcome in that church. I find it hard to believe this far removed that that's what she actually said. But that's what I remember. And that is what this person left the church with that impression that that's what she had said. Christians often feel uncomfortable in some of our Unitarian Universalist churches. I think not so much in this one. As many of you know, the worship committee recently did a survey, and we were somewhat surprised and fascinated to see that about half the people who responded used the word Christian as one of the words that described their beliefs. And some of the older people said, this is a real change in in this church. And uh, we're, we're kind of interested to see what that, what that means and what people mean by that. I believe that that is a good sign. I believe that Unitarian Universalists, not just here, but elsewhere, are becoming more respectful of a broader spectrum of religious beliefs. It used to be, used to be that you could be Buddhist, you could be pagan, you could be whatever, but you couldn't be Christian. And I think that is changing. And I, to me, 
I believe that is very much in accord with who we Unitarian Universalists are, or at least who we want to be. We have so much to learn from one another. The stories, there are wonderful stories in the Jewish and Christian tradition. Um, and there are wonderful stories in the Buddhist tradition. Uh, we can share those with one another. We may not change our beliefs, our political party, or our team, but we may learn to appreciate that decent, caring human beings have made different choices than we made in life. Some people, apparently quite different from ourselves, may have done more for their neighbor than we have. When I was in seminary, I spent a couple months in Zimbabwe, and I met a Roman Catholic priest, and his mission in life, what he had been doing for the last 10, 15, 20 years, was going around to the remote areas of Zimbabwe and building a better outhouse. Building an outhouse that was more sanitary, was less likely to carry disease. And I just, I thought that was, it really touched me. It was so, it was so humble, it was so practical, and I thought, I will probably never do as much in my life to help the poor as this priest has done. Now, we argued over birth control, but that was another question. <laughs> Let me conclude these reflections with a story closer to home. Unitarian Universalist minister Marlon Lavinar, who uh, has one of our largest UU churches in Oklahoma, his daughter died unexpectedly when she was just three years old. I can't imagine. Reverend Bruce Hoppe was an evangelical minister of a megachurch 800 miles away. The two had never spoken. Reverend Lavinar didn't even know that Reverend Hoppe knew his name, let alone his sorrow. But several years before that tragedy, Reverend Hoppe had started to read some of Reverend Lavinar's sermons because he decided that he wanted to understand more liberal religious perspectives. Reverend Hoppe often disagreed with them, but he found them thoughtful. Now, I have to pause here for a moment, because Reverend Hoppe's quest to broaden his own perspective, his respect, even if not agreement, with Reverend Lavinar's views, just blows away one of my views one of my stereotypes of evangelicals. It is a lesson I have to learn again and again and again. And life so frequently teaches me that my stereotypes are wrong, my assumptions are wrong. One day, Reverend Hoppe learned of the death of Sienna, Reverend Lavinar's daughter, on his website. Reverend Hoppe had two children of his own, and his heart broke for him. He sent him an email explaining who he was, and he said he wasn't writing with any agenda other than the human one of reaching out as one father to another. He wanted Reverend Lavenhart to know that he was praying for him and his family. He didn't expect a response. Out of that simple email, a friendship began. Both men's lives were changed by that friendship, both would say that they learn more about what their own religions ask of them in the love of one father for another. They spoke to one another about 
their loves and then became capable of listening and learning from each other. We are all imperfect children of imperfect parents, seeking our way on a journey through life in this magnificent, tragic world. Our particular DNA, our particular families, our particular lives form the context of our choices, our beliefs, our passions, our faith. One small change, and I could have been you. You could have been me. Let us share our loves, share our doubts. Let us stop, look, and listen for the real, complicated person who stands before us. Let us share the real, complicated person we are. When we do, we will find that we are not alone. Love will bridge the gap. Love will make us one. Please join us in hymn number 318, We Would Be One.